Wants are unlimited, but resources always limited. So, how do you distribute your limited resources between your competing and potentially unlimited wants to achieve a fulfilling outcome for your life? That is what we figure out on The Money Spot. Welcome to The Money Spot, the place where we answer your money questions. I'm your host, Heather Katsonga-Woodward, and in this week's episode, we explore whether or not to include the state pension when you're retirement planning. It's a very tricky question. But if you're a millennial, that is, if you're born between 1981 and 1996 or later, I've come to a bold conclusion. I think it's best that you assume you won't receive a state pension when you're planning how much to save for retirement. That is, target a savings pot that does not accommodate extra money coming in from the state. Now, while it's likely that some form of state pension will persist, I believe there's a good chance that it will become much less generous or that the state retirement age will increase even further than it is. It's also possible that it will become means-tested so that only the least well-off will receive it. Because the UK population is aging, and as a result, the cost of the state pension is increasing, one or all these possibilities is almost inevitable. With an aging population, a conundrum arises. An increasing number of people need care in their later years, while the workforce available to support them through tax contributions continues to dwindle. And as state pensions rely on current tax collections, that means the taxes that are collected from today's workers are used to pay today's pensioners, fewer workers are there to shoulder the burden of supporting a large and growing retired population. So pensions will be less generous unless something changes. Retirement is still a rather new concept. In the past, the average person worked until they physically couldn't anymore. And if they were lucky, their family looked after them in old age. Otherwise, they faced serious financial struggles. This is exactly how it still works for many developing economies. In the UK, the introduction of the means-tested old age pension in 1909 marked a big turning point. It provided a modest income to people aged 70 or older with an income that was below £21 a year. The pension that was payable to a single person at the time was about 25p a month, and that's roughly equivalent to about £157 a month today if we account for both inflation and the increase in average earnings over time. So it was very much in line with the current basic state pension of £156.20. But average life expectancy in the UK at that time, in 1909, was about 50. So by 70, most people were dead. And as a result, most people didn't reach state retirement age. The initial pension also didn't require any contributions to be made in order to be entitled to it. A contributory state pension scheme only came about in 1925 for manual workers and others earning £250 a year, or less. That's about equivalent to 12,500 in 2023 prices. It wasn't until after the Second World War in 1946, when the welfare state was created, 
that a contributory state pension applied for everybody. From 1946 until about 1980, people with higher average earnings enjoyed a higher state pension. However, that link between state pensions and earnings was abolished in 1980. And you know what? Personally, I think the new flat rate for all is so much fairer. So the state pension has become less generous over time and it may need to become less generous still. In terms of what money you receive can purchase, the state pension seems to have not changed too much since 1909. It's just as generous or not so generous, depending on your view, as it ever was. What has changed since the introduction of the welfare state is the bar you need to meet in order to get the state pension. So, for instance, whereas women used to start receiving the state pension at the age of 60 and men at 65, now both men and women get it at 65 for older generations and that's rising to 68 for my generation, the millennials. In addition, while someone used to need just 30 qualifying years of national insurance contributions or credits to get the full basic state pension, a total of 35 years is now needed and to get anything at all, at least 10 years of national insurance contributions or credits is required. These changes are simply reflecting the challenges governments face in balancing the needs of people who are retired with the available resources. To maintain the purchasing power of pensioners, i.e. so they can continue to be able to afford the same stuff, the government has maintained what's called a triple lock since 2010. Under the mechanism, the basic state pension increases each year by either average wages, average price increases, or 2.5%, whichever one is higher. Despite all this, to continue to be able to take care of those that need the money the most, more probably needs to be done. There's only so much that can be done to raise the qualifying age or the number of years of contributions. And at some point, it may become necessary to just start cutting off those that don't really need the state pension, given the other sources of income that they've got. And if I'm honest, I wouldn't be upset if this is where we end up, because if the government can balance its books, it can stop progressively increasing taxes including through fiscal drag. Fiscal drag is whereby you basically leave tax thresholds where they are so that as people's wages increase or their wealth gets bigger, they are more liable to tax. In an ideal world, you increase the brackets with inflation. So your personal allowance should increase every year. The point at which you start paying the 20% tax or the 40% tax increases every year. The amount you have free of tax before you pay inheritance tax should increase every year. But all these have just been frozen for quite a while and they will be frozen for a while still. But what does the state pension currently cost, I hear you ask? Well, consider this. In the 2023-24 fiscal year, an estimated $124 billion, that's about 10.5% of public spending, is projected to be spent on state pensions. This figure is equivalent to about £4,400 per household, and it highlights the scale of the financial commitment that is required, particularly when you realise that UK median household disposable income, that's income after tax, is only about 32300 
And just to give you an idea of just how mind-blowing the statistic is, in my native Malawi, the government's budget for the whole year for absolutely everything is £450 per household. In UK, that's 42000 So just this 4400 on pensions is 10 times more being spent on just pensions by the UK government than being spent for everything that every Malawian needs by the Malawi government. And don't forget, the average Malawian household is 4.3 people and the average UK household is just 2.4 people. So that even magnifies the, the number even more. And what's going on with population projections? Well, apparently without an increase in immigration, the UK's natural population is projected to start declining by 2025. That's in just two years, a lot sooner than was expected based on estimates made in 2018, a mere five years ago. At that point, we didn't expect the natural population to start declining until 2040. That's come down by a whole 18 years. So what's the long and short of it, basically? Well, there is no two ways about it. To sustain the current generosity of state pensions in the context of an aging population, some difficult decision will have to be made. Sustaining the system will require adjustments, such as raising the retirement age further, which is difficult to imagine, I know, or reassessing eligibility criteria. In the short term, increased immigration may help to boost tax receipts, but it's unlikely to be a long-term solution. Some thorny questions will need to be addressed on how to balance fairness and affordability when it comes to state pensions. And having enjoyed a sneak peek into the state of our public finances, it seems sensible that if you're planning how much to save for retirement, as we did in the episode last week, especially if you'd like to retire early, then the best approach to retirement planning is to view the state pension as a bonus. It would be awesome to get it, but if you find out that you're not entitled to it, then by saving as though it will never be received anyway, the retirement you so desire won't be completely scuppered. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, Please share it with a friend and rate it five star wherever you listen to podcasts. If I haven't earned your five star yet, please send me a message and let me know how I can earn it.